0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast, for the faithful and for the faithful. David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy.
1: Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today?
0: Good. Good. Wonder how many podcasts we've done. I guess I could look. There's a list somewhere. Probably more than a thousand, I'm guessing, eh?
1: No, probably not quite. I mean, five years worth of games at eighty to hundred a year. Let's call it hundred a year, counting preseason and everything. So let's say five hundred for that, and then uh, a smaller number of non-game podcasts. But yeah, I guess six or seven hundred.
0: All right, we'll have to check. Um, Bruce, good game tonight. It was. 4-2 win for the edmonton orders just when they really needed it um the record is now two wins above 500 is it nine and seven is that it yes
1: yeah.
0: nine wins seven losses it's been a weird season weird up and down seasons they've looked really good in their in their wins and often looked really bad in their losses um one of their goalies is going great and the other one's going really bad um it's just been uh their def- their offensive play has been super strong and their defensive play has been often really weak but sometimes they do get it together defensively and they put together a pretty strong game now this game wasn't necessarily that the Oilers um gave up a lot of good chances and Stuart Skinner um had to come up big for the win but the Oilers did i think play fairly strong defensive hockey in the third period bruce <coughs> um they gave up three grade A shots in the third period. Two of them were goals. And um, but there was only one only one of the goals, I think, was a real was a real um iffy play. Only one of those grade A shots was a real iffy play by the Oilers, The second goal from Florida. So a pretty good overall effort from the Oilers there, and they sure needed that win.
1: Yeah, no, they definitely needed to stop the bleeding and come back hard after that. Uh very poor showing in Carolina the
0: other night. Hi, criminy. All right. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast because it's a win. We'll go, and a big win. That was a big win. to Come out of that tough road trip with two wins and two losses. We're going to go with two good things each. Bruce, why don't you start it off? What's your first good thing?
1: Well, I'm going to go with the, what seems to be the biggest thing in every game, the first goal. Yeah. I mean, since the Oilers blew that 4-3 lead or uh, uh, that that two-goal lead against New Jersey and lost 4-3 uh, with the two late goals, the last five games in a row, whoever scored first has never trailed in the game. And three times that was the other guys and in, uh, uh, in Dallas, Washington, and um, Carolina. And twice it was the Oilers in the two games in state of Florida, Tampa and now at, at Florida today. So scoring first is huge, and first things first, they actually made it out of the first period without giving up a late one, the way they did in, in Washington and was Carolina, zero waiting. zero. And you started to of wait for the for the first shoe to fall with a mighty thud, uh, but they managed to get through the first period and actually well into the second frame, uh, eleven minutes and forty nine seconds, so more than halfway through regulation, and they got that most precious kind of goal in a tight game, uh, especially a tight away game um, where all of the big players are kind of being held in check. And instead it was the Oilers' fourth line that contributed that all-important first goal. And really all three players on the line had a say of it, including the two newest members of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, uh, Matthias Janmark, who started the play with some really strong uh, puck handling and controlling along the boards behind the net. And I noticed that in the preseason about him. That guy's pretty good along the boards. And he was here, and he just kind of, you know, like he's not like a muscle man. He's just good with the puck in traffic. And he was able to control this puck here uh, and dig it out to uh, uh, Ryan McLeod. And McLeod was uh, sent a nice pass to Tyson Barry at center point. Uh, and teed him up just nicely that Barry could let fly. Uh, but normally that's a 55-footer that Spencer Knight's going to have in his hip pocket all day long, if he can see it. But in this case, uh, clean Costin <clears throat> was in his face, and he did not see it, and Barry shot whistled by both of them and uh, uh, bulged the netting, and there you go, one-nothing orders on a sort of play out of nowhere, just some good, hard-working, uh, grinding, hockey take your shot when you can get it and uh hope it has eyes and the goalie doesn't uh, that's exactly what happened there so hats off especially to the newcomers nice nice to make a real positive contribution and you know in what became a one goal win essentially uh, that was a huge play in this game
0: yeah we saw two guys who looked like they could play some hockey you know like um structured solid two-way hockey um, and a little bit of a physical game. And it, I kind of think it speaks to um, the salary cap trouble that the owners are in. They gotta, they're got they just so tight to the cap. They haven't been able to play with 12 forwards all year long. You know, Yanmark would have been games much earlier.
1: Oh, yeah. He would have made the um,
0: team. <clears throat> yeah, he would have made the team. And he looks like a pretty decent, you know, that was, a, that was obviously a really good game. So we're just going on one game. But that ability to control win board battles and control the puck. And Costin's playing in front of the net, like this, this is what's expected of these bottom-line players to play solid two-way hockey and be strong on the boards, physical and a, a low-risk game. And um, you know we're not seeing that that low-risk game from a lot of the Oilers players, including the forwards. <coughs> Excuse me. So nice to see it oh. from
1: Janmark. Mark Costin. I mean, he played eight minutes in this game, uh, yeah. so not a lot. Fourth line minutes. Uh, He was plus one for that screen in which he didn't do anything officially otherwise on the event summary. He had two shots on net. He had a hit. Uh, One play that caught my eye was one of those shots when he first of all made a nice, he chipped a sort of a bouncing puck inside his own blue line. The first job was to get it out. Well, not only did he get it out, he chipped it into the path of Ryan McLeod, who uh, jumped on it up the left wing. And Costin got on his horse uh, to catch up to Ryan McLeod, which was no mean feat. And, of course, McLeod was handling the puck and kind of angling towards the puck, but McLeod made the centering pass across, and Costin made it all the way to the goalmouth to tip one on net. And Knight had to make a real good stretching pad save on that one. That was a good play by Costin, and he was skating. He was moving there, so nice to that see. Was, that was a nice play.
0: Janmark made a nice play, too, in the... Um can't remember if it was the second or the third period, in the third. Um, just he made a, he found dry saddle cross scene for a very, yes. for a dangerous shot with a very nice pass. So, yeah, they've made a really good impression um, in that game. Both of them did. So, um, good for both of them. Bruce, uh, my good thing is going to be, well, my first good thing will be the defense pairing of uh, Cody Cece and Darnell Nurse. These guys, Nurse um, has started out the year really strong, and then the last two or three ga- two, two games, he just really struggled. CC um, has been kind of up and down through the year. Um, good, bom- good moments and bad moments in most games. This game, I just thought they re- both really stepped up. They didn't play mistake free hockey, but man, they were solid. I mean,. Um, Early in the game, CeCe went out and blocked a really hard Brandon Montour shot. And then he blocked five the rest of the game. And most of them were really key blocks. Darnell Nurse uh, was blocking shots, banging people around. And they just both kept it really simple. Um, They did a good job, generally speaking, of covering off the slot area, being hard and physical in those areas, and moving the puck rapidly and effectively, um, not carrying it so much. It was just they played simple. Uh, disciplined, defensive, no risk hockey. And it and it was just what the team needed. It, it, in the end, a Nurse played uh, team high 26 10, um, and CeCe played, I think, 24 something or other. It's 24 and change. It, it was interesting. At even strength, they hardly played Barry and Nima. Well, they played Barry and Nima Lina, but not much. They, they were both under 10 minutes at even strength. They really relied heavily on their top four. At even strength, and um, most of all on Nurse and CC, I just think Coach really was—he knew how much this team needed a win and a strong defensive effort, and he just wanted to trust the guys who he felt the most confidence in, and he picked some pick some good ones there. So, um, yeah, good good work from both of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, no no argument. I I liked uh, also like Brett Kulak's game a lot. Today, I thought he uh, uh, he um, uh, really competed hard. And I, I th- said something similar, I think, in a recent game. And he's starting to play with some edge and some real, um, you know, piss and vinegar defensively. Like he's joining the battle when the other guys have the puck. And it's not just you know he's got good skating. He moves puck okay, and and you know he's not. I mean, he's a puck moving defenseman in one sense. But uh, I'm liking his defensive game. Just you know, he arrives in good position and he arrives you know ready to battle. And, Did you know, he what's, put what's not to like?
0: We'll have to check that replay again. He may have inadvertently contributed. He checked.
1: A, he checked the puck. To, God, yeah, he checked the puck. It, it, he might have
0: scored anyway, but that's why Kulak, I think, was after the uh, mm. after the goal against. He he looked kind of distraught for a second there, and I think I think that's why. But he it was it, you know that was Bennett was right in there and might might well have scored anyway so he's like yeah he slashed it off his stick as Bennett's kind of shooting it anyway so but I I agree Kulak came on and the Oilers came on as a team um, defensively as the game went a lot along and were more solid um, but, um, your second good thing here now
1: yeah, more of the same in terms of coach going with players that he trusted. And one of the players that he trusted in this game uh, was Warren Fogle, who entered this trip as deeply buried into the doghouse as he could get, or at least after the first game in Washington, especially when he gave in a goal with a, with a turnover. Uh, but tonight, Fogel started the game on the third line uh, after a couple of uh, – Uh, let's call them iffy shifts from rookie Dylan Holloway, where uh, his turnovers led to dangerous shots going the other way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fogel got promoted up to the second line with uh, Drysidel and Hyman. And I thought he looked good there, you know. I mean, Florida was carrying the play in the shot clock because that's how they play generally. I mean, this is the President's Trophy team we're talking about, or most of it. And they're going to get their shots because they average 40 a game. Uh, But I thought that line held their own and they got uh, they got some chances. Uh, For his part, Fogel played 16 minutes and 4 seconds, which may well be a season high. He had three shots on net, he had three takeaways, and he had one of each on the game's uh, deciding goal. It turned out to be the game winner. Uh, Five minutes left in the third, the Oilers hanging on to a 2-1 lead, and Fogel steals the puck on. Off of none other than Alexander Barkov, one of the very best players in the National Hockey League, or the world for that matter, yeah. in his own zone, a great two-way player, Barkov. Well, Fogel got the better of him, worked the puck off of him, got it through to Drysaddle, and then Drysaddle fed him back the return pass, and Fogel just fired fired away and picked the corner. None of this, uh, Let. what should I do next? Uh, ticky-tacking around like too many of them seem to be doing when they get chances in tight he just let fly and for the second time in the last two wins he let fly and beat a pretty darn good goalie uh, this time Spencer Knight from uh, from the slot and as you're going to talk about shortly they sure needed that insurance goal but uh, it was a nice one to get and it was uh, due in large part to the to the Hard work and execution of Warren Fogle. Credit where due. He's uh, his his revival is one of the best good things that happened from this road trip. Yeah, yeah. they needed. He's, well, he's, he's back. He's he, he's back, and he was he was he was not a factor for the whole first month of the season.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he has really stepped up, and that was a good. He looked um, at home with Drysdale and Hyman. I mean, both of again. Fogel can puck protect. He can forecheck, and you get those three guys going. There was a there was a shift or two when Fogel, Hyman, and uh, Dreisaitl just really gave the gears to uh, Florida, and um, they could be a real load for the opposition team if they all get their feet moving, and are working together. So we'll see. I I think we'll see that more of that line, especially with Holloway. He you know he clearly is having some troubles with uh, puck management right now. So uh, my good thing is my second good thing is Leon Dreisaitl. I thought he had a great game. He came out slow like the rest of the team. And, you know, in the first minute of the game, um, he and Hyman collided in the offensive zone turnover. And then, um, right was part of the crew that doesn't cover the slot off on a really dangerous shot early in the game. But Skinner saved their bacon. And then Leon kept getting better. Like, especially, he just came out in the second period. This was remarked on by uh, Louis DeBrusque um, during the broadcast. But he came out in that, to start the second period and um man alive he, he was just he was pouring it on he he was um um he he made a great play where he grabbed the puck and kind of uh dangled it right at the offensive blue line he was the last man back and was able to put it down low to Kulak on a pass. And Kulak if he had gotten off a shot immediately would have would have scored but he wasn't able to completely c- control it any but he did get off a wraparound. Um, I think Leon's strong start in the second period, though, might have been propelled. The owners had a power play late in the first, and McDavid um, whipped his patented cross-seam pass over to Leon, and Leon got off his world-famous executioner shot. That's this uh, lashing, oh. lashing of the puck where his stick is going towards the goalie like an axe, and the puck's even... A miss, and the puck's even faster. It's a missile. And how he did not score. I mean, it was a remarkable save by Spencer Knight. Maybe Leon was a little, little upset he didn't get it up a little bit higher. But nonetheless, he scored so many goals on that play. And, and Knight just came out of nowhere, really to rob him there. That got Leon going. And it, he came out and had that great shift. He was, he was intense, moving his feet, playing strong defensive hockey, covering off his man the rest of the game. Um, after that moment, he finally got going. Leon is, I think, a sl- one of the Oilers' slow starters. But uh, once he does get going, Bruce, he is such a force. And, of course, on Fogel's um, uh, insurance goal, um, what a play by Fogel to steal it off Barkov, if, uh, as you've said. And then Leon made a really fine backhand pass. He got the puck from Fogle. He puts it back to Fogel, who then just fired it home. It was very high skill, a smart and heady play by Leon. Um, to set up Fogel, and a great finish. So, um, a great game. And he won 14 face-offs. He lost just nine. You know, it's not remarked on it. We remark on it. I mean, it's remarked on sometimes. Like, this heavy load that he takes in the face-off circle. Okay. But yeah. really, yeah, it's game after game, game after game. And it's just an, and It's another moment where he is called upon to really concentrate, really strain, and really work hard. And he, he did it again tonight and was very successful at it. So, great game from Leon. And uh, I gave him a, I gave him CC and Fogle all eights. Barry had an eight until he made a pretty major mistake, which I'm going to talk about coming up. And Skinner got a nine out of ten in this game. He, I thought he was the other's best player. Bruce, your bad thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'm going to go, I guess, with Florida's first goal. And this was uh, early in the third period when, uh, first of all, the Oilers couldn't make it through the first minute of play uh, without taking a darn penalty. Uh, Stick came in parallel on Hyman. That wasn't a penalty, but Hyman did grab the guy's stick, and that was a penalty. And Hyman, he... uh, uh, so he went, he went off to the box, grumbling a little bit, and then, uh the orders almost killed the whole penalty. In fact, they killed enough of it to fool the official scorers into thinking it was an even-strength goal, and in fact, it wasn't. There was four seconds left in the sure was, yeah. I have a few issues with the uh, scorekeepers in Florida today, but they're not the bad thing, this goal. And it was, uh, uh, it was more bad luck than anything, really, you know. I slowed down the the replay. The shot came in from the point, and it hit one of the Oilers in front. I can't remember if it was Nurse or Cece. And it just bounced sideways right across the slot into the lane of uh, Sam Bennett. And I slowed down. I looked at the replay, and All five Oilers, the four penalty killers and the goalie, all reacted by rotating to their right to try and get in the lane. A couple of them diving across. And Bennett just beat them all by just jumping on, seeing the chance first. And he was moving towards the puck before anybody else was. And he was moving forward on it, whereas the other guys were trying to go sideways. And he just hammered it high, short side, just inside the post before Skinner can get over there. So the bad thing really is just, you know, a, a bit of a bad bounce and uh, a real good play by the goal scorer on the other team that they couldn't really stop. I mean, you, you and I scored that as a no-fault goal. It's not very often that we're not pointing fingers at one or more Oilers, when especially when goals are scored. But sometimes when the other team's power play executes, or in this case, they ex- they got a bounce and then executed, but who did anything wrong? really not anybody so it's not, it's not it's not bad a bad hockey thing it was just sort of a bad thing that happened in the game and that just didn't seem fair at that moment that they kind of got that chintzy power play and it's, i hate goals right at the end of penalty kills really do yeah i thought they had <laughs> yeah. it
0: killed off i thought they had her done bruce yeah those yeah. just those official scores they they uh so far at least mc dry and nugent hopkins i think it was deserve yeah. uh assists on Barry's power play goal That's what I happened. mean Dreisaitl put put the puck Won over. The pretty sure Nuge put it back they're saying
1: Nuge pressured the guy and they're saying the Florida guy got the stick in there and gave it away but I mean Maybe I he thought did. at minimum <clears throat> Dreisaitl for winning the face off because that guy never had the puck anyway whatever it's Florida. I've noticed strange things from that city before.
0: Well, maybe they'll change it. They can still change it, I guess, um, after the game. That, that sometimes happens. I think there's even a 24 hour window, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a, I just, you know, Skinner had been playing so well. And I was, of course, I was thinking, shutout. out. And I didn't say, like in our comments back and forth, I got superstitious there. I didn't say, say anything about it at that point (laughs) at that point because he had you know Florida by our calculation should have had about three goals in the first two periods and Skinner had not let in any and um there he was he um he he couldn't keep the shutout going and my bad thing Bruce is the next goal which (laughs) it was actually kind of easy to pick the guys making mistakes there um Barry, on this play Florida's uh the orders have um what is it 3 to 1 lead then yeah 3 to 1 lead and uh there's they've just scored at 5 uh, with uh 5 minutes left in the third period that's when fogel scores anyway the, the game's in hand and florida's rushing the puck up the ice Barry tracks his man into the middle of the ice, and a, and a winger is shooting down the wing, and Pugliarvi, he's a little slow getting there. He does get there um, eventually, but uh, the Florida winger makes a move and puts the puck deep. And both Bear, the puck goes right through Barry, goes through Pugliarvi. Both those guys um, were um, making major mistakes on that goal against. And um, it was just... It, It it added a little bit of intrigue to the game, which really wasn't needed. And it would have been good if they could shut down that play before it ever occurred, is what I would say. If Pulley Harvey had been right on his man, or um, Barry had maybe not reacted quite so strongly to to charge over to the middle of the ice. But it is what it was, and uh, mistakes were made, and a goal against was scored. So... um, 3-2, 3-2, and the game was in doubt, but the Oilers didn't give up another grade-A shot after that. In fact, they got a goal. So.
1: Frustrating to give up a goal in the very next sequence after the insurance goal, but, I mean, as uh, Jack Michael said, that's why they call it insurance goals. And it was, I mean, it was a good two-on-two play by Florida, but what wound up happening mm-hmm. was that on the give-and-go, uh, both Puljari and Barry rotated to the guy who got the pass, and let Bennett go to the net. And but he, you know, they they played the passer, and neither one of them actually uh, interrupted the pass. So he, they were able to turn that two on two into a one on zero. And then Kulak came diving in late, and he may, you know, he may have clashed sticks with the goal scorer, but uh, Bennett took it hard to the net and popped her home. And just it doesn't take. Much of a mistake, you know, in uh, oh, no. NHL hockey for uh, for uh, attacking players to uh, make you pay for them. And uh, Sam Bennett did there. And the passer, I mean, he deserves some credit too. And that was uh, Colin White. There you go. Oh, you know. And Radha yeah, Udass was the other.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hockey happens fast. It really is. I'm surprised there's not more goals given given the unbelievable skill and speed of these players. It speaks to the discipline and the fundamental play of the defenders usually that they they shut them down consistently because those guys, man, they just will burn you in a microsecond. Let's move on to the numbers section of the podcast, Bruce. What is your numero?
1: My number is one minute and 45 seconds. And that is the average amount of shorthanded ice time per game by the Oilers' uh, hardest worked penalty killing forward in this four-game road trip, and that was none other than number 97 Connor McDavid, who has been inserted onto the penalty killing unit with a bullet, it seems like. And it doesn't. It, it was funny. Every game he played, almost the exact same amount: 152 in Washington. And, of course, PK was not good in that game, uh, but they were fine thereafter. He played 140 in Tampa, then last game in Carolina, 147 to tie for the team lead, and then today, 139 to tie for the team lead again. So he's on not only on the PK, but essentially he's, I don't know if you'd say first unit, but it's worked out that he's picked up a few more seconds than any other player Uh, For average ice time, tied for second on the road trip were Yamamoto and Kane, neither of whom finished the road trip, so thankfully nothing happened to McDavid. And then McLeod, Ryan, uh, Nugent Hopkins uh, were down there at, you know, a minute and a half each, and Hyman, Fogel, and Yanmark around one minute each, so they're really doing it by committee. There's nobody that's sucking up three and a half minutes per game. Uh, but McDavid is in there and, and dry settle surprisingly he was way down in 10th place at just 42 seconds and normally he's a uh, because of his face off um, yeah. skills he's uh, he gets extra duty on the on the penalty kill. Uh, but on this road trip at least uh, McDavid it was uh, promoted within the PK unit. It'll be interesting to see if that's just a short-term thing or if it's a thing because McDavid shorthanded I mean, It could mean, you know, it could mean good things occasionally because uh, he's pretty capable of turning a 50-50 puck into a breakaway.
0: (laughs) He made one really nice play in a key penalty kill, I think, early in the Mm -hmm. third. Yeah, early in the third when they were almost killed off that penalty. He got the puck. He rushed that puck right out of there. And what I like about him on the PK is he's so fast, right? Like, he's fast on loose pucks. Absolutely crucial. So, um, I think I like him... I may like him as much as Leon out there. You know, they you are called upon to block shots, which I'm not thrilled with McDavid or Dre Settel being asked to block shots. You don't have to is block shots. as right. Cassie Cassian proved all those years on the PK. <laughs> anyway, let's not get into that. But uh, <laughs> he is dangerous. He's fast and dangerous out there. He's got to scare the hell out of the opposing team when he's out there. So if he reads the game well... He can probably avoid having to block shots. Nooch doesn't block a lot of shots, I don't think, on the PK. So um, you know, you can do it without risking your body in that matter. Um CC led the team overall. Of course, he's a defenseman in on the PK. He was right. at two twenty-one,
1: but for the for the, they really counted on Cody CC on the on the mm-hmm. PK. And he's, uh yeah, he's blocking a ton of shots, CC. Not just with his body, but also deflecting shots right yeah. off the stick and into the netting. He's done both of those things quite a lot. He's, he's he's really, I don't know if he stepped forward or maybe I'm just noticing more of that. He seems to be the guy that's in the way a lot. He, he really stepped up
0: tonight. So that might be why lane. it's,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Really well, well it's so, a, a lot of games like he's, you know, this year, it seems like he's he sort of amped it up on that side of it a little bit.
0: If Nima Leinen's going to stick with the team, that's what he's got to do. He's got to figure out how to block shots and he's not yet doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. um and he's having his struggles out there I th- I think if Philip Broberry was healthy by now and playing well in Bakership we might be seeing him um in Edmonton but um that's that's still uh he's still a work in progress that after cutting his hand while cooking which was an which was a really horrible story to hear as well okay um Bruce my number is one. And it's kind of a remarkable number. It's part of the tale of two goalies this year. All all year long, Stuart Skinner has made just one mistake leading to a goal against. He's led in other goals, but they've all been on grade A shots. Only one of his mistakes has been translated into a goal against, and it wasn't tonight. He did make what we termed was one mistake. There was a, It was kind of a tough play in that the puck was put deep into the order zone and it hit a stick in the slot.
1: Oh, and yeah. because
0: of that, Skinner uh, let out a bad rebound. Like he got his pad short on one. it, but mm-hmm. it, sh- it was a short rebound, but it was a bad one. Like it was it a was tough a dangerous one. dangerous one, yeah. It sure was a dangerous one. I mean, you could argue it wasn't even his fault, but we generally don't cut slack to players, um, you know, uh, on, on a play like that. And anyway, uh, they almost put that in, but he's only let in one goal all year. As opposed to Jack Campbell, who in his 10 games has led in of the mistakes he's made. Jack, we've we've tracked Jack Campbell with 18 major mistakes on Grade A shots. Well, 13 of them, Bruce, have ended up in the Oilers' net. So um, it's one of the highest rates of um, led bad mistakes on goals against. On mistakes on just mistakes on goals against that we've seen in Oilers in since we've been tracking the stuff since 2007 08. That's when I first started it. And there's only two goalies who have let in a higher rate of mistakes on goals against per game than Jack Campbell so far this year. That's Ilya Brizgalov and Jeff durant Delorier. So I'm just not going to say anything else. I don't think you need to. And I don't want to pick on Jack Campbell because I do think it, the season's young.
1: Uh-huh. He
0: can still turn it around, and I expect mm-hmm. he will. I'm back mm-hmm. on this but it is remarkable. Yeah. Skinner Skinner has just been playing. When he has made mistakes, he's had some good luck. Mm-hmm. He hasn't made that many uh, bad mistakes, but, you know, they, they haven't ended up in the net. And um, he had another super solid game tonight. He just looks uh, – even in the games where he's let in four or five goals, I think there's one he let in five, if I'm not mistaken. He Waster, was sure. yeah, yeah. In four. Um, he's looked – He's looking good in the net. He just he's just uh, confident in that square to the shooter. Very um,
1: square. Yeah, I really
0: like that. Good glove hand hasn't let any any much through his glove hand. Man, he he's been the best goalie in Oilers history. The fewest mistakes, fewest rate of mistakes on goals against that we've ever seen uh, from Stuart Skinner so far this year. So there's probably going to be some meeting in the middle <sighs> between Skinner and Campbell before this year's over. But Stuart Skinner has—I mean, it's not a stretch to say he's earned the number one job right now. They're going to be go, they are going to be relying on him. Now they might just go with the hot goalie, like if Skinner—he'll—he'll he'll get the next start. I'm almost guarantee you he'll get the next start because you can't explain it to the team otherwise. Like he's got to get the next start, and because um, you got to win. And maybe if he plays poorly, they'll go back to Campbell. I think they'll probably go with that. Who's ever hot, they'll go with. But Stuart Skinner—he's earned that. Um, he's, he's bumped himself up to be, you know, the one, one A or one B, you know, one B goalie, um, through his excellent play, um, this year. And again, just one, one mistake. I think, are we in six or seven games for set or This was his seventh game, uh, sixth start and seventh, seventh game. And he's just made one mistake that has led to a goal against. So that's pretty remarkable. That is very good you know the best we've seen bruce over a full season was mike smith and he had that absolutely fabulous season in 20 2021 923 um yep. save percentage and in the games he played he let in he made 14 mistakes and ended up at goals against so that was uh, 0.45 per game that's the best we've seen in all these years oh. tracking the stat um so uh, Skinner has a chance to challenge for that, and uh, now there's some luck involved in a stat like that. You can make mistakes that don't end up in the net, right? And you can also, you know,
1: <coughs> clean you, up you, your own mistakes.
0: You can clean up your own mistakes with great Smith, things like
1: Smith, Mike Smith did sometimes, and uh, oh, yeah. which you could say Skinner did today on the one that arguably, you know, the one that deflected off the <laughs> stick that he. Made to say, well, he sure sealed the net on the rebound chance that Buddy had. You know, he he sealed the ice, so there was nothing for Buddy to shoot at, even though he was right on the doorstep. And
0: Mikko Koskinen didn't make a high, generally in his career with the Oilers, didn't make a high number of mistakes on goals against, but he didn't stop enough grade A shots. You know, he still let in too many goals because he just wasn't as good a goalie as um, he needed to be to stick in the NHL over... The time. Although we had a four-year career and made a lot of money.
1: Sample sizes, of course, are small for both men. I mean, obviously, I would suspect both will regress towards the mean as the year goes on. And as uh, some have pointed out, uh, early days for Campbell on a new team, and sometimes it takes a while for a new goalie and his defense core to get on the same page. And how much of that is on the goalie or the defense score or the coaching? Who knows? But uh, it's been a little frustrating with uh, Campbell. That said, when uh, I, all of the pundits were saying, well, now that uh, Campbell uh, uh come back with that bad game in Carolina, it's time to let Stuart Skinner run with it for a while. And on the surface, that makes sense. But as I rightly said to my wife, I said, now that Campbell's given up nine goals in his last two games, They can go to Stuart Skinner, who's only let up nine goals in his last two games. I mean, team team, team defense has been the problem. Yes. uh, You know, I mean, Skinner had a pair of, you know, tight losses, 4-3 to the Devils, 5-4 to the Capitals. Uh, But Campbell had a couple of debacles in there, which Skinner hasn't had any debacles as yet.
0: It's when your mistakes end up in the back of the net that the fans oh, turn yeah. on you, right? Like, again, you can make mistakes, they don't go in. Oh, yeah. Or you can save your mistakes yourself. But it, it's mm-hmm. when you have those combinations of two things, those two things, you make a mistake and there's a goal against, suddenly, man, like people, um, they get start to get a little irate. Mm-hmm. And um, that's their job, right? That's the goalie's job, not to make mistakes mm-hmm. and not to let in goals against. So uh, I can see why. I, anyway... Well, we've talked enough about Campbell and his woes. I, I, I do yep. think he's going to come back. Skinner, though, like he is off to a, a fantastic start to this NHL season. It's really huge news for the Edmonton Oilers. It's been absolutely critical to this team. They wouldn't have this uh, a 500 record without Stuart Skinner's play. So good thing for him, for him, and he's uh, staking his claim. All right. When's
1: the next game, Bruce? Tuesday. Oh uh, yeah, they play Wednesday against LA Kings. Uh, Wednesday the 16th. They're back home. They got a couple of days to to uh, rest up and regenerate. And honestly, two and two on this road trip is pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, when you consider the the, the high quality of teams that they were playing in a very short <laughs> span. I mean. It was just seven days ago that you and I were, were uh, discussing the crashing 6-2 loss to the stars. And, it, you know, it was easily to imagine a one and three road trip or worse. So to come out of it, it would have been nice to get, you know, one extra point in one of the losses. But uh, that wasn't to be. But uh, two and two is, uh, you know, it sustains um, their position. And now it's time to start doing a little better on home ice where they're just four or five and home. Oh.
0: Indeed. So the orders. uh, Just looking at the standings here, yeah, they're fourth, Mm -hmm. fourth in the Pacific. Um, So it's about where they belong at this point. 59 goals for, 58 goals against. So you can't count on hope for much more than that. Although the Kings have 52 goals for and 54 against, and um, they got a nine record? Nine, six, and one. I guess they got one loser point. So you're right; those loser points make a difference. They add up. They do, Bruce.
1: So one one last little thing before we sign out today. Uh, I was talking about McDavid on the penalty kill, uh, hitting at the chances of offense on the on the PK. That, I, I'm from the child of the '80s. Uh, well, man of the '80s when uh, the Oilers were uh, uh, the penalty kill scourge of the National Hockey League, scoring 36 shorthanded goals in 1983-84 and scoring in the high 20s on several other seasons uh, and leading the league every year in shorthanded goals. And the year after Gretzky left, like he was in the middle of a lot of it, but the year after Gretzky left, they were still at uh, uh, at the high end in the high 20s, and 34 years ago today, November 12th, 1988, just after the Gretzky trade, and the Oilers are playing in Toronto, Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night, just like now, and Esa Tikkanen scored two shorthanded goals in the first period, both assisted by Yari Curry, uh, 12 seconds apart to establish an NHL record that still stands, fastest two shorthanded goals, and Tikkanen broke the record held by Edmonton Oilers Pat Hughes, who scored two goals in 25 seconds at at St. Louis in 1983, and Pat Hughes broke the record that had been held by Edmonton Oilers Wayne Gretzky, who scored two goals in 27 seconds in 1980. So three consecutive Oilers held the same National Hockey League record for uh, for you know doubling down on uh, scoring twice in a row on the same penalty kill. And that was, that, I personally, during that time, I learned to absolutely love letting offensive players out on the penalty field. Nowadays, it's all, well, you don't want them blocking the shot, and you know, but if you want to win the game, sometimes you need your best players to do it. So I'm not opposed. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want them blocking the shot. You don't want them blocking the shot. You, don't, want them blocking the shot, <laughs> you
0: no. don't. It's not. Um, but you do. <laughs> it's exciting to have McDavid out there. And if he like he's he's not done well in the past is the problem. Mm-hmm. So not read the game defensively uh, exceedingly well on the PK. He's looked better, so we'll see we'll see what goes we'll see how this plays out as this goes forward. They sh- certainly need the helpers because they're just they're not doing well at all. I mean, I'd, I'd still like to see Yessa Puliaev get a chance on the PK. I don't understand yeah. why he he's such a big guy with such great reach. Um, makes no sense to me, but anyway.
1: Yeah, Oilers, Oilers beat Toronto that night, 6-2. the yeah, Satikanen had the hat-trick of four points. I think Curry had four points. And that was the, the moment that, for me as a fan, that the fog lifted from the Gretzky trade. And I thought, you know what? We still got a pretty damn good team here, Gretzky or no Gretzky. But, you know, we can go right into Maple Leaf Gardens and stomp them, you know, right in their own barn on Hockey Night in Canada, you know, maybe, you know, life... Life isn't great, but life is good, even though we lost the great one. You know, there's life after, not not just life after hockey, but life still within hockey. And sure enough, that team was uh, good enough to uh, uh, win another Stanley Cup and three more uh, division titles before everything came apart eventually a few years later.
0: I don't believe that I've seen a better pair of penalty kill forwards. Then Yari Curry and, and they working together that season in the playoffs. It's the it's the most um effective, cohesive combination play between two players. Um they just worked in luck that They were absolutely fantastic.
1: Defensively and then on the counterattack. I mean the, yeah. those Oilers what they were excelled at more than anything else was the counterattack. And that's just built into the penalty kill. The other yeah. team is, is on the attack by definition and when you get the puck it's a counterattack, and even if it's a two-on-two or especially if it's a two-on-one danger will robinson for the other guys when those two guys are gretzky and curry or you know messier and mctavish or tikanen you know and they and glenn say there's attitude always was to go for it even when his team was at a numerical disadvantage gotta
0: love it i'd love yeah I'd let's keep it. it up let's keep it up with mcdavid see how this goes all right Bruce, thanks for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.